Your Face. It's a fringe show here on In Your Face today, and I'm absolutely delighted to talk to Michelle McCowage and uh, Kyle Muir all about night sweat. Welcome to the show. Ooh, thank Ooh. you. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's ghosts happening. Tell us about it. There's ghosts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there? there's heaps of ghosts. Really? Yeah. Ever since I was seven, uh, and I'm now 31, so that's over 22 years of seeing ghosts and talking to them. And I thought, uh, I probably should use this somehow, given I'm a theatre maker. Fantastic. So it's actually based on real life experiences. Oh, absolutely. Almost, uh, well, other than the extreme characterizations in the show, 90% of it is autobiographical. Fantastic. Now, Carl, you do the music, mm-hmm. yeah, on yeah. stage with Michelle. Um, what's that like? It's, yeah, it's a very different experience than I'm used to because usually uh, I just play in bands and stuff and create music in my studio. So it's been such a great experience to. Yeah, create uh, in a way that's very responsive to like a different medium and to work with Michelle, who's such a talented theatre maker and actor. So well. what do you do on stage? Oh, gosh. You mean you want the run of the show? or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you talk to ghosts, you talk to objects and um, there's this sleepwalking happening. Yeah. So it's a physical theatre show. There's poetry. Um, but yeah, basically I kind of dive deep into who are the different ghosts in my subconscious and what are they trying to say? And yeah, basically trying to reflect on who I am in relation to those people, which are all facets of me. It's a, it's a big conversation with my subconscious really. So these ghosts are teaching me along the way. I've kind of thought about it like that. So who are they? Well, we've got uh, an angel. We have, oh, am I allowed to swear? Um, I'll yeah. just say F boy. <laughs> and you that know actually. exactly what that means. <laughs> um, we have a narrator version of myself who kind of explains sleepwalking and the phenomenon of how it actually happens for me. Um, and we have Hugo Weaving, who is actually Henry Shackleton as uh, Hugo Weaving as Henry Shackleton. So the uh, Antarctic explorer um, played by Hugo Weaving. <laughs> so he's really in the show. I'm playing Hugo Weaving. What is it like doing the music for this? I mean, it's so trippy, Kyle. It's pretty wacky, yeah. There's um, all sorts of different wacky sounds happening on the stage and it took me about like half an hour to get all my gear up to the rehearsal this morning because I, yeah, just kind of brought my whole arsenal of sounds, I think. He Um, literally plays, yeah, guitar, percussion, Tape, reel-to-reel, digital, like he's composed on Ableton as well. Yeah, there's everything. Wow. So have you actually told Hugo Weaving that you're channeling him? Does he know? he doesn't. I should. Hugo, if you're out there. He might be interested. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if he'd be flattered or... (laughs) He surely would be. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to do. So you're a genius with with all the instruments, Kyle. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I don't... Yes, he is. It's not for me to say, really. (laughs) It's for me to say. (laughs) I believe it. So what's it like, like, you know, while while Michelle's channeling all these ghosts, what's that like for you? Like, you know, because you're obviously, you know, you're personally connected as well. So Mm. do you kind of, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and Michelle is talking to these people? Uh, That has happened, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure about these people specifically while I've been there, but uh, a couple of weeks ago I woke up next to Michelle in bed, and they were literally climbing up me, like under the sheet, thinking that I was like some sort of ladder ladder or rope or something. And, and I woke up, up and, yeah, there was like some kind of clawing at my face. And I was like, Michelle, what are you doing? It's, 
And I was like, it's okay. You're just, you're just dreaming. Do you have a favourite? A favourite character? Well, a fa- yeah, a favourite person that talks to Michelle or that, that they talk to. Uh, me? <laughs> <laughs> the dream character. Uh, I reckon I like the explorer character. I think it's a very funny. Mm. Yeah, Henry Shackleton. He's um, he's kind of a bit of a um, a dig at Australiana theatre and how there is kind of this melodramatic style that we have really grown up with seeing on our main stages and um, yeah it's like a little bit of a poke at that as well. So how long did it take you to write all this? Well, believe it or not, it's still being written. <laughs> really, because you're on stage when like. Well, I'm on stage on Wednesday. No, it's basically finished. It's just that in the devising process, the work never ends. It's constantly Mm. evolving because, and it's really beautiful because I have that fluidity, both with Kyle and with the other collaborators. I'm also working with Sodie Murphy-Shrives as co-collaborator and I've been produced by Liv Bell and having them both in the room has been amazing um, to keep writing. So Mm. yeah, it's it's still going, but it's been about three months. So that would be a real strength, having that spontaneity. And that, I guess, means that every show is a bit different. Oh, absolutely. That is my favourite thing about theatre because the audience have such an amazing impact on me. I will directly be improvising in sections of this show with the audience based on what they give me. And it's fine if they're all dead and they don't want to say anything. That doesn't affect me in in a negative sense. But it does mean that if someone in the audience or multiple people are really riding that wave with me, it's a whole nother experience. So you must be fantastic at reading the room. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Carl, what's that yeah. like for you? That's a bit trippy if, if they're going off on these unexpected tangents with the audience. Yeah. How does that work for you playing all these instruments? You're not just playing one. You're playing, like, multiple. Mm. Well, I think what I do a lot of in music myself is improvising as well. So like some of the best moments we've had so far doing the show were moments we've maybe kind of gone a bit left of the script and have started this section that was a bit more improvised or, um, yeah, I think there's definitely room for me to do that as well. Cause I think I've set up my certain sound palettes of different scenes and stuff, but I'm doing a lot of improvising within those still. And are you really gregarious in in real life? I mean, it sounds like you you, you would have to be. Like, you would be the kind of person that would strike up conversations with people, like, you know, randomly. I love talking to strangers. I actually kind of prefer it because I just think there's something really present about meeting someone on the street, engaging with them in whatever they're doing in that moment, and then just moving on and knowing that whatever you did is just this beautiful bubble in time that you can pass through. And I think that's kind of what I try to recreate in my theatre. And do you find people respond to it well or do you find that we're living in an era now where people are a bit more walled away and they're on their phones and so they look up and they kind of, you know, are less engaged? Like, oh, yeah. What's your, what's your experience? Yeah, it's definitely hard. I think people are really afraid that you want something from them mm. instead of just being able to have a moment on the train where you're both talking. You don't need to know each other's names. I mm. think it's kind of like when you see a friend, you know, that you haven't seen in a while and you're both ooh, avoiding each other. And it's like, you know, we could both just say hi and keep walking. I kind of I think that most people have that attitude of like, oh, what are they going to do to me? So theatre would actually be a bit easier than that because in theatre you know they've come to see you, whereas, you know, they, they, they haven't necessarily come to see you when they're on the train. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I obviously I'm not accosting random saying, hey, do you want a monologue? Um, but <laughs> I guess I do. Like, yeah, maybe that's a concept. I do like to stay open. 
to the possibilities. Fantastic. So, so Kyle, have you been a busker? I don't know why I'm asking you that, but I could imagine you busking. Uh, I haven't done that in a long time, actually, but I used to do a lot of busking in my teenage years um, in the Masson Ranges where I grew up uh, with my gypsy jazz band at the time, Jose and the Coffee Mugs. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, we were, we were younger and more... Innocent times then. <laughs> so do you play in bands now? Yes. Yeah. So tell us about them. Uh, so I think the main thing I'm uh, involved in at the moment is my project called YB. And that's my singer-songwriter project. So I write all the music for that and record a lot of it myself too. Um, and we perform as like a four-piece band with uh, bass clarinet and uh, drum kit and bass and guitar. Um, but yeah, You've also got a funk band called Big Soap that yes. has wow. just released a single recently. Really, and super funky. That's yeah. actually the band that was playing at a party when I met Kyle. That's so how we met. Yeah, I love Big Soap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, is this the first show you've done together? Uh, yes. In that, uh, we did this exact same show at La Mama for their exploration season, but it was the original development and it's mm. basically had a whole rewrite. So it is in the sense that it's the same show, but it's technically our second it's together. It's changed a lot, the show, though, since then. Mm. Yeah. Wow, how's it changed? The characters and the story arc and working with the new collaborator, they asked me at the start of the process, why are you doing this again? Why now? Which everybody hates that question. And what did you say? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I just want to. (laughs) It went so well last time, people said they wanted more, and I thought, yeah, there is more here. And also it's different every time for you anyway, so it's kind of like I could really see why you would want to do more because you'd only just kind of started. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, how exciting. So give us those dates in the venue and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So we open next Wednesday the 4th. We're running until the 8th, so five nights at 7.30pm at the Fringe Hub at Trades Hall. If you make your way there, they will take you to the square. We are the fun little venue behind the Chinese restaurant on Ligon Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and on 6.30, our show is uh, – on Sunday, sorry, is our show is at 6.30. And on our Thursday show, just so you know, it is a sensory-friendly show. That's good news. Which is great news. We love accessible theatre. Well, Michelle McCowage and Kyle Muir are the two-piece that does night swears. It's a fantastic production. Thanks so much for joining us today on 3CR. Thanks, Thanks for having so much. Us. Thanks, James. Here's Blind Melon. There's no 
Melon there. No rain. You are on in your face on 3CR with James. Up soon, Anna Lum to talk about Joyride for Fringe. But in the meantime, here's Mazzy Star. Well, I think I see another side, maybe just another light that shines. And I you believe you 
Massey Star there with Hayla. I'm delighted to have Anna Lum to talk about Joyride for Melbourne Fringe. Welcome yes. to 3CR. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. You're still writing your show as well. <gasps> You told on me. Yeah, I am. I am actually writing my show still. But I think that's pretty normal for fringe shows to kind of keep evolving right up until they, you know, go up opening night. Look, your show is absolutely fantastic. It's in the car park at Trades Hall it and is. it's basically a road trip kind of show with that a drag artist. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty wild. So that's kind of Thelma and Louise-ish. Yeah. I mean, we're sort of uh, paying homage to a lot of, um, you know, road movies and and car culture and that kind of stuff we're having a lot of fun with it but um yeah it's kind of like really a, a sort of an emotional joyride I guess through a very surreal landscape and um you know with a great soundtrack so yeah we've been having so, so much fun devising it it's been really great yeah fantastic yeah. so tell us about these emotions um well I I don't know I was sort of people keep asking me where the idea for the show came from and I sort of for me it's kind of a couple of things but um I don't know about you, but in COVID, during lockdown, the car became a sort of spill out space for me, like a bit of a place of refuge. And I sort of found myself in the car a lot, but I also find myself in the car a lot anyway. I'm a parent. I'm going from A to B all the time. And um, so, yeah, I'm often kind of thinking about stuff, processing. Um, I diarise my week in the car, but also I love the kind of temporary intimacy that happens in a car. Like you're sort of captive to each other. And and I think from that, all these kind of interesting conversations evolve. So that really was kind of the impetus for the work. Yeah. And how much fun having a drag artist to have those conversations with? Yes. Dandrogyny. How fabulous are they? Tell us all about them. Dandrogyny is a fantastic, iconic drag artist, but also a brilliant dancer. So we've really been drawing um, on their skill set and putting some kind of pretty fun dance moves in the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't want to tell you too much because it's kind of like fun and exciting and a bit of a surprise. But um, yeah, there's definitely a couple of uh, duo dance moments that I'm really looking forward to performing. And do you sing or is there lip syncing? Like, tell us about that. I mean, gosh, no, no one really wants to hear me singing. (laughs) I'm so much more of a physical artist. Um, The show's really physical theatre, text, um, you know, dialogue between Dandrogyny and myself. Um, you know, it's kind of really paying homage to the the idea of a road trip. But, um, you know, there's a couple of surreal little um, pit stops that happen along the way. So, yeah. So when you watch it, do you feel like you're moving? Like, is that the kind of effect you want to have? That's, that's hilarious you asked that. Someone just spoke to me recently about this. So, like, the car's stationary. How do you elicit this idea of, like being on a road trip um we are using some kind of uh pretty lo-fi special effects and sort of soundtrack and I guess um our physicality to sort of make it feel like we're moving so um without giving too much away if you can imagine sort of um being in a car chase and how you would be in the car and how your movement would be we're sort of trying to um replicate that and yeah, it's quite silly and fun. But I imagine the use of emotions kind of, you know, creates this effect, you know, this emotional effect in people where they react and they kind of feel like they're going through some movement because there's all that emotional change. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're working really hard on that physicality to kind of really, um, you know, we, we actually filmed ourselves going on little drives together to kind of get that physicality of how you are in the car. And, you know, it's funny, there's just little things you like look around a lot and conversations are quite stop starty as you notice things that you're driving past or you have you know, different ideas that are prompted by, you know, something you might hear on the radio or something you see as you're going past. So, yeah, it's been it's been um, interesting and funny to kind of like 
get that physicality into a stationary vehicle. And you've done heaps of work as a clown. Not so much as a clown, more as a um, circus artist. I've been a circus artist for 20 years, um, but I also am a theatre maker and I've been leaning a bit more into sort of text-based work over the last six years. So, yeah. Wow. So hence that physicality. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst this show isn't so much circus, there is a lot of, yeah, um, physical skill in it and um, movement. And, yeah, definitely I feel like that informs my work because of my background in circus performance, for sure. So how did you and Phanogeny meet? How did Dandrogin yeah, and I yeah, meet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we met. I guess it shows. I'm I'm kind of wanting to say hares and hyenas, possibly as a venue, but um, we've just oh, or possibly even strange fruit actually. So you don't which, actually know how you met. But they've well, kind I'm of become part of your life. Well, I'm actually remember because it's been like some time now. But we've both worked for a company that's now called Sway that used to be called Strange Fruit, which is an aerial dance company that do this amazing performance on four meter poles. Um, but you know, it's funny because uh, Dan and I have spent a lot of time in the car together. So <laughs> yeah, well, I get this sense, driving to gigs. I get this sense that you know you you like a piece of old furniture to each yeah. other in some way. So you can't really quite remember where you met because they've been around so long yeah. and you're still so comfortable with them. I got to say, and like you, you know, you do so many shows as well, and you just forget what shows you've done or where you've done them, or you know. But we did do a, a contract last year, and it required us to travel outside of Melbourne for an hour each way. So we spent a lot of time in the car. So this isn't your first show together? Um, it's not. It's our first kind of dedicated duo show together, um, but we've been in a lot of variety shows together and performance together, so yeah. You've done so much variety performance. I have. I've done a lot. Wow. Yeah. So it must feel like second nature to you being with an audience. Yeah, I do love it. Um, it's interesting for this particular show, we're sort of trying to, I guess, use fourth wall a little bit more and I'm much more used to directly addressing the audience. So uh, we'll see how we go with that, you know, and how it will work in this particular show. But I'm excited to kind of try a different form of performance, yeah. So what's the most challenging part of doing this show? Like, you know, preparing for it and also what's your favourite bit? <laughs> the most challenging part would have to be the car <laughs> that we're using. It was um, an old sort of broken down 1985 Beamer, which I saved from the side of the road, which had a series of um, unfortunate events. It was in a hit and run by a dodgy neighbour who um, didn't leave a note. Uh, and then it was um, someone tried to hotwire it and um, it sort of sat by the road for about – I don't know, maybe 10 months, much to the annoyance of our neighbours. And then I finally got it towed and, um, yeah, I've sort of been bringing it back to life. But I feel like the that kind of history and the fact that the car seems to have done so many of its own road trips sort of feeds into the work. So, yeah, that car yeah. could talk. So it sounds like, you know, the car's your favourite bit of the performance as well. Or it's, 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 it's pretty a crux. fun. It's pretty fun. It's been a bit of a difficult third cast member, I've got to say. I'm hemorrhaging a bit of cash on that baby, but uh, I think it'll be worth it, yeah. Fantastic. So what's next for you after this show? Oh, my gosh, I don't even know. Um, probably doing some gigs over the summer, yeah. Maybe just having a little bit of a break as well. It's been a pretty hectic year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like a really high-energy production. Joyride, yeah. give us those details. Oh, my gosh. It's 8 p.m. Uh, Trades Hall Car Park, and we open on the 11th of October, and we run till the 22nd. So do come and see the show. And alum, great to meet you at 3CR. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Here are the Sundays.
listening to Radical Radio 3CR. There's kind of a lot of a lot of things that are coming up to the fore at the moment as well, particularly in terms of the way that we imagine, for example, essential work and also sort of essential community life or essential caregiving um, and how those how those function. If we think about sort of the way that queer family often takes very, very sort of different forms and very, you know, important and meaningful forms that often don't match the picture of normative, heteronormative family life, but how so many of the of the affordances or the restrictions or the kind of the, the government governmental sort of imagining of the way that we should live and what we need to live and what we need to survive really is shaped around heteronormativity. You know, it's around the family life in the suburb, as opposed to many, you know, single individuals who have shared queer family, both sexual and community connections that sustain them and that kind of give them give them life and give them give them sort of energy and comfort and safety and security and support. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. And continuing our fringe theme, up real soon we'll be talking to Janet Schroeder about detours of Melbourne. But in the meantime, here's T-Rex.
genius there of Mark Boland, heading T-Rex, 20th century boy. I'm absolutely delighted to have Jenna Schroeder in the studio to talk about detours of yes. Melbourne happening for Melbourne Fringe. Very exciting to be here and also to be doing the show. Tell us about it. <laughs> um, so detours of Melbourne, it's kind of like walking tours with a comedy twist. Um uh, which I love is like kind of broad, but every sort of creative and comedian can make it their own. Um, so we have, you know, a few people doing different type that, different types of tours and they're so different they're all so different um but they all sound so much fun um and I, I'm doing one tour but we've got some other tours as well and I'm personally just as a audience member I'm like oh can't wait to see what you guys do <laughs> so it's based on Melbourne's history yeah um yeah in some ways yeah no so it's again it's like um so the brief is you know make a walking tour but make it funny um so in my instance I've like got a French detective character and that's probably the one that's most about Melbourne itself because it's looking at the what you know the stereotypes of Melbourne so you can throw some at me now if you want um so we've got uh uh what it what would it be like four seasons in one day nobody ever crosses the Yarra Melburnians love coffee black clothes um and then I sort of tie that into a mystery that's like hmm what's going on in Melbourne what's like this secret like underbelly and what is going on in Melbourne oh well I can't spoil that I can't spoil that. That's the whole point of the show. Um, but it is more about, you know, it uh, is around, oh, like, is there, is there like a secret group um, running Melbourne and making all of these things kind of come together into uh, uh, the Melbourne culture? And what's um, your theory on that? Oh, I don't want to say. It would, it would ruin the surprise. I think people have to come along and, um, and figure it out and solve it as we, you know, go through the walking tour and then hopefully not tell anyone. <laughs> then hopefully finish the show and be like, that was amazing. That was so much fun. You should go see it. I won't tell you what the answer is. I won't, I won't spoil the mystery. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's my one. But there are, two, there are two others, which is scary stories, which I love, scary stories about Melbourne. Um, and one of the scary stories I've been told is around – um, like a CEO at um, Nauru House, which is in, you know, sort of near the Paris end in Melbourne. And apparently he got possessed. Or did he? We don't know, but something weird happened. Um, and so a storyteller from The Moth is going gonna, is gonna to share that. And then there's a few other stories around that. And then the third tour that we have is um, a, a rom-com. So it's an immersive experience. So, um, you know, you have performers creating a love story in front of your very eyes as you as you walk around the city. So tell us about the other performers and how do you all get together? Mm, yeah. Um, so we've got uh, a bunch of storytellers um, and uh, sort of character comedians from The Moth, which is a big storytelling night, and then the Improv Conspiracy, um, which is a sort of improv school and performance space. That's for the Scary Stories tour. And then for the rom-com, we've got um, Sananda and Angela Foy um, and Liv Bell, and they do a lot of, um, I don't know if you've seen, like, The Wholesome Hour, like, um, Sananda's done a bunch of shows at uh, the Comedy Festival, being nominated for, um, I think, Best Show uh, or Best Newcomer. Sorry, I should know off by heart by now. Um, and, you know, they've all done like a lot of like independent and comedy stuff and clowning stuff as well. So it's really wow. interesting to see the way you know, they do things because it's so, um, it's so in the physical. The um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah. A little bit more of that sort of uh, out there wacky stuff. So I'm really excited to see how they'll turn that into a, uh, into a romance. And we all found each other. So I've done stuff at the Improv Conspiracy. I volunteered for the moth because I love storytelling, which was why I was like, you guys have to get in on this because this is like scary stories. I need some storytellers in there. Um, and then I don't really remember how I met uh, Sananda and Ash, uh, Angela, but we've done a Twilight-inspired variety night together like in 
2021 that I produced that then got kind of like shut down halfway through because of a COVID lockdown. Um, so that's how I met them. <laughs> I think probably over Facebook, just being like, who wants to do this show with me? It must yeah, be so much fun, like, you know, having audiences again, because people are saying that, that it's so good to, to have an audience again, but it's also hard to get the audiences out. Mm, out out in force, yeah. Yeah. They seem to come out of the woodwork like, <laughs> not to be mean to the audience, but it does kind of feel like cockroaches where you just, you're like, suddenly they're there, sometimes they're not. You don't know what, you don't know what's going to um, uh, draw them in, but you sort of have to hope that the concept, someone's like, oh, I really want to do that. And, and I think the best thing is I really want to do it, which is why I've, you know, produced a show because I was like, I want to go on a walking tour that's funny. I want to, yeah. you know, I would go and watch that. And so I, I'm going to make it happen so that people like me, because if I want to do it, then it can't, I, I won't be the only one, I'm sure. You know, so people like me can also be like, yeah, I want a walking tour. But, you know, if I, who, who can say if I reach them, maybe they're somewhere on a social media platform that I'm not even on. Who knows? But the belly laughs while you're walking must feel great. Yeah. It's oh, so fantastic. good for you as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, you know, get get out of your bedroom, off the screen. Yeah, yeah. You and know? I think get it's... off your screen at the pub. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think people were really. I was reading an article on the way here about immersive experiences are getting bigger and bigger. And I think people, it's a great way to introduce people to theatre um, and comedy in a way that feels a little bit more accessible. Like, oh, it's an experience. You know, it's not just sitting down in a room. Um, it's not just watching something in your phone. You're you're in the action and you make the show. Um, and yeah, you have it. You know, you can interact as much or as little as you want um, through that. So I think I, I think it's. I'm going to be biased because. Obviously, I've produced the show, but I think it's a really fun, I think it's a fun idea. And I'm really excited to see uh, if there's a good response, hopefully, um, but also what each audience is like each night with the yeah. with the um, clues for myself, for the clues that they've been given. And I imagine for the other, um, for the other tours, like the moments of audience interaction and participation, because you're right in front of them. There's like no distance. You're like face to face with someone um, and giving them a show when they can talk to you the whole time. So, yeah, I'm really – it's different. Isn't it amazing, though, that that is regarded now as being different, whereas once upon a time that was just going out and talking to people. <laughs> at a, you know what I mean? Like that was just what you did. <laughs> yeah, you, like, looked up from your phone and was like, oh, let's have a chat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm also, like, one of those people where I'm like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> why? What, what is this? Um, so, yeah, I think it's just uh, – yeah, it is a great – opportunity just to have people like hey we'll have some fun maybe you'll make a friend on the tour as well because you're like walking together i know when i've been traveling i'm sure you as well like when you go on a walking tour sometimes you might make a friend this time it'll be funny though <laughs> fantastic so you must really love gigging people's faces a little bit i um i've done as like a comedian yeah, 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 yeah. Not just as a menace to society no yeah i've done like one sort of preview feedback session and i I am comfortable with it because I can. I have a character who is a lot more confident than maybe I would be, and a lot less um, awkward. So I love it because I'm like, well, I'm just this person. I'm just this French detective, and I'm like, I'm eccentric, and I'm just going to do eccentric things, and I'm going to, you know, bring you along for the ride and niggle questions about your life and sort of try and find jokes in there. Um, so it is. It is a lot of fun. I'm actually surprised how much I uh, uh, have enjoyed. <laughs> have enjoyed it so i'm looking forward to it so your jokes are spontaneous you don't like you know sit around and write them so much you just kind of live them yeah so i have i have the blocks of the mystery itself and i have a few little jokes um not not in the sense of stand-up but it's sort of like oh i'll make a little comment here 
hopefully it goes well. Hopefully someone laughs. But I think, yeah, the crux of it, and, and it was it's kind of scary but also exciting, is that a lot of it is going to come from talking to the um, audience who are, you know, participants of this walking tour and, and bouncing off of them and bouncing off their questions. Like I've, you know, at the start of the show, it's very clear, ask as many questions as you want. So, like, doing a walking tour, like, mm. you know, if, 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 if it doesn't go well with what you say, that kind of must give you, like, a lot of environment to kind of work with to kind of, you know, divert to something else. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. If they're, if they're sort of, like, not responding. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's the, that's the craft of improv, which I've um, been learning and performing at the Improv Conspiracy, is, is, is to be present with someone face-to-face, but also thinking in the back of your mind, where can I take this? Um, which I also sometimes do at my work and is a crazy amazing skill to have. Um, and so I hope to continue like honing it through this show, but also it's just so much fun to so do. What does this French character sound like? Like, can you a little bit of it? Oh my God, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, sir, her name is uh, Seraphine. And she has, uh, from, she's been in uh, Melbourne for so long, such a long time, but no, she's quite proud of the French accent. She thinks uh, no, it would be a shame to uh, mess around with the Australian vowels. They do some crazy things, the Australians with the vowels. So no, so she's uh, a private detective, uh, amateur private detective. So uh, sometimes she does big cases and gets a lot of money from that. And then other times it's a lady of leisure. But I think she decided, uh, well, we, me, me. Me, Serafine, decided it's time the Melbournians know about the city because when I arrived, I discovered this big mystery. I've been sitting on it for so long. And so now I think now is the time to reveal the secrets of the city to the people and to see what they are going to do with that. It might be uh, absolute chaos. Uh, who can say? We will find out with the tour. So, uh. <laughs> Is she a bit of a shit stirrer? Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I uh, well... Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> if you uh, people say things, I think I will uh, call them out on on things and uh, and uh, engage uh, in the secrets and the underbelly. And uh, I think the most important thing as well with the tour is to make people look around and be curious as well. So maybe after the tour, you know, they will uh, if they are at a tram stop, it's not 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 look at the phone, but look up, look around, ask themselves questions. As the key to a good detective is to ask questions all the time and not make assumptions. So there's a lot of learning in the tour as well. So what's it like <laughs> when you actually go on the other the other folks' tours in, in, in your company, if you like? Like there's there's three tours. Mm. Like is it really hard to kind of, you know, not want to be like, you know, the main character? Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I'm like, I've got more than enough. <laughs> I've got more than enough to do. Um, no. Break into a fridge accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, excuse me. I have a question. No, no, no. No, no. Um, uh, no, I think I just fall into, I love being an audience member. And outside of, you know, producing and performing, I also do like arts criticism. So I love just sitting there being like, what do I think about this show? Am I having a good time and why? Um, so I, lo- I love just being in the audience, being like, oh, my, oh my God. Like, so <laughs> what are you going to do critic. next? I don't get paid for it. Not yet. Would be nice. Um, But yeah, no, I love, I love um, the craft of writing a good review, like having it jump off the page. But also I just love watching a show and then having, you know, friends afterwards being like, so what did you think? What did you really think of that show? And then just having a a good chat about it. (laughs) 
So do you find yourself using those skills on yourself? Like, you know, do you find yourself right? Yeah, mm. reviewing yourself? Yes, <laughs> very much so. And what's that like? Yeah, um, I think it's really, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of like, a part of me is a bit nervous that someone will come from a show that I've been, you know, reviewed and, and, and then be like, this <laughs> is crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, you said this and this about my show, but yours isn't as good. <laughs> and but I, payback. Yeah, but I think, you know, for me, it's like, I, I'm really critical, um, but I'm also learning as I um, grow up. <laughs> I don't feel like an adult yet. But when I grow up, you know, you just learn. It's not going to be perfect straight away and there's always room to grow. So I'm I'm really proud of what I'm putting together with the skills that I have now. And I know I'll probably look back in three years and be like, I could have done that way better. But I think that's just the life of a creative person, you know, and better better not to be like, this is crap, to be like, I'm really proud of this. And I think it's got legs. I actually, I'm like, this is so much fun. It's so much fun for me to do, so I must be doing something right. Does performing outdoors make you a better performer because you've got to project your voice in certain ways and there's all of this background noise and there's, you know, all of these, you know, there's people walking past and there's people who aren't actually meant to be in the audience and there's mm. the risk of people popping in. That You know, all of that. Does it make you a better performer being outdoors in this spontaneous environment? I think it would definitely make... I think it would definitely, it's definitely stretching the skills of improv, um, especially that, um, and staying in character and not breaking. Um, because, yeah, you are <laughs> yeah, going to have breaking, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, what, you know, with the shows that I have done so far, people have, like, really liked something that I've done. And when people laugh, I love to laugh too. But, you know, the character is like, no, serious the whole time, So which you would get in any show. But, no, as you said, like, sometimes a truck will be going past or you'll be stuck at a red light and you have to be like, well, what am I going to say here? You know, so I think, as you said, like, um, I think it definitely – stretches you in terms of constantly watching everything that's going on and thinking and planning and and I think that is a key skill for um improv and probably you know it would help any performer in their work something's going to go wrong at some show <laughs> but that, that's kind of good isn't it when something goes wrong because you can make it something good you know and something spontaneous happens and it's mm. like I never would have done that if it didn't go wrong no exactly and I think audiences also really appreciate when you kind of call you know call it out or react to it and you don't sort of just forge ahead you're like oh that you know, I, I've noticed with stand-up particularly, they'll be like, oh, that joke didn't land. And audience love that when they're like, I, I can, you know, when people um, call out like the vibe in the room and like, hey, let's not pretend that everything's going okay, I'm trying. And I think audiences really respond to being like, I'm going to get us through this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Give us those details for details yes, in Melbourne. Yes, of course. So there's look, there's a bunch of dates. We start on the 6th of October. We go all the way through to the 21st. There's some stuff on Sunday afternoons. Mostly it's um, evenings and the weeknights. So you've got to go check it out. And as I said, there's three different tours. So pick and choose what you are most interested in. If it's a rom-com, if it's a mystery, if it's a scary story. Um, and then there's a bunch of dates on the website, which is Melbourne Fringe. And then we have Detours, which is DE, with a little um, the hyphen. hyphen. Yeah. And then Tours of Melbourne. So yeah, have a I, I, yeah. If people are listening, have a have a read. See what you think. It sounds so much fun, Gina Schroeder. Thank you so much thank for you, coming into Three CR. He's Shaka Khan. Oh, Shaka Khan.
Shaka Khan there. And we'll catch you next week on In Your Face. In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook. <laughs>